in the same way as the sales organization and our company has customer success, we also have employee success because we, we are using those same techniques and we are using those same frameworks in order to drive our employee success. Hi, I'm David Green, and this is episode two of series 18 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. You just heard Ernest Ng, Vice President of Global Employee Success Strategy and People Analytics at Salesforce, talking about his team's approach to managing the workforce, mirroring the approach the company takes to ensure customer success and satisfaction. Throughout our conversation, we talk about the role of people analytics in ensuring employee success and the importance of developing a data-driven culture more broadly across HR. Working with all of our stakeholders to really try and get them to understand what data do they need what data is going to help them to be informed about the effectiveness or the efficiency of the things that they're doing. You know, uh, that whole process is a long process because it is disrupting the traditional ways that HR is done. Throughout this episode, Ernest and I discuss Salesforce's approach to hybrid work, known as the success from anywhere strategy, and the role of the people analytics team in enabling the reapproach by helping the business understand the conditions that help employees be productive and healthy. We also talk about the critical elements for success in people analytics, including getting the right stakeholders involved in the execution phase and the investment phase. We also look at the team's work on skills inference and how this has been used across internal mobility programs, career development, mentoring programs, as well as talent acquisition and onboarding. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ernest Ng, uh, Head of Global Employee Success Strategy and People Analytics at Salesforce to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the show, Ernest. It's great to have you on. Uh, can you provide listeners with a, a brief introduction to, to you and your role at Salesforce? Sure. Uh, it's great to see you, David. Um, it's great to be able to uh, be on this podcast. So thank you again for for having me. So I'm Ernest. Um, so I... I lead uh, people strategy and analytics at Salesforce. And so we have uh, a team of closely 40 data consultants, IO researchers, survey specialists, data scientists, NLP experts, and data engineers and business architects, really just focused on driving employee success with data. Uh, what that means really is uh, we want to take a data and research-informed approach to um, what I like to always say our people strategy is, is, which is basically cultivating the conditions that allow an employee to thrive. Um, so this is what my team works on. Um, and because we're growing at such a fast pace um, as a company, people analytics is really key to helping us scale efficiently and effectively. And Ernest, we, we've known each other for, for quite a few years now. I think we possibly first see, saw each other either at a Pafau conference in San Francisco, or maybe when you were over here um, at a meeting that Unilever was hosting back in 2015 or 2016, I think. So, uh, And you've been in the field for, for a long time, the people analytics field, for over a decade. Um, we could probably have a whole podcast on it, but in, in terms of how you've seen the field evolve over the last decade, what are some of the, the main things that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning, people analytics was really reporting and survey work. And that I think is still the bread and butter of many people analytics functions. 
But I think with the proliferation of uh, technology platforms, APIs, AI tools, all of these different technologies, uh, you know, it's really been able to transform our uh, our fields. Uh, we have more data to use, um, but at the same time, that means we have to be more careful about how we use it. So, you know, in addition uh, to being more steeped in data science techniques and data engineering than when I when I first entered the field, you know, I think for me, I'm thinking a lot more these days about privacy and ethics. Um, especially now that many of us are actually um, in our homes and the office is actually our home, right? And so as the company reaches further into your personal life and People Analytics has the, uh, you know, People Analytics has now the responsibility to be very careful about um, the things that we do with people's data, um, especially because it now most people are at home, right? So, yeah, such an important thing, and 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 certainly some of the research that we've been doing at Insight Two 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 in the last few months actually really showing that this whole topic around governance and ethics is still really really high profile within people analytics teams as it should be, and I think you know we're effectively custodians of our of our people's data in what we do, so it's, it's so important. That the other the other thing that's quite interesting that. Um, from your introduction, Ernest, is this way that you combine employee success and, and people analytics at, at Salesforce? What's kind of the thinking behind that? I mean, uh, at Salesforce, our HR organization is called People Analytics, or no, is called sorry, is called uh, Employee Success. And basically, what we are doing is, um, you know, we are looking at our employees as customers in the same way that we would approach our customers. Uh, we have a customer success organization uh, who is dedicated to really ensuring that people who are using the Salesforce are successful using it and getting the value out of it as much as possible, right? Um, and con- constantly driving uh, uh, that renewal opportunity with them. That is the same way that we approach our employees. Um, and so uh, in the same way as the sales organization and our company has c- customer success, we also have employee success because we we are using those same techniques and we are using those same frameworks in order to drive our employee success. So that's that's why um, it's called employee success. Uh, but then also that's why people analytics is so important because you need that data. You need uh, a data informed strategy in order to really drive that success. It's not just managing the resources. It is really trying to drive success, drive value from uh, basically every like all the time that you spend uh, working. So, yeah, it's it, you know lovely um, sort of link there because you know you need great data to really affect customer success, and likewise you need great data to affect employee success, and it ties in nicely with what you were saying about the importance of ethics and privacy as well. And the fact it's employee success, it sounds like it's it's as much about the employee as it is about the organization, which is exactly. which is which is really good. So 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 to kind of get us moving into the sort of the, the, the wider conversation, uh, Ernest, can you tell us a bit about Salesforce? we you've mentioned that a lot of us are working from home at the moment. I know that Salesforce has, you know, talked about what it's going to be doing from a hybrid work perspective. When we spoke last, um, we talked a little bit about the success from, from Anywhere strategy, and I think our listeners will be really interested to hear a little bit more about that. 
Um, and then perhaps afterwards we'll, we'll get, we'll get into the role that people analytics will play. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, success from anywhere is, is sort of how we're envisioning our, our cultural transformation, right? So we are applying a beginner's mind to the way that we work every day, utilizing technologies like Salesforce and Slack, uh, to really bring people together in different, relevant, uniquely Salesforce ways. Uh, so that we can drive success for our stakeholders. So like, what does that actually mean? Um, you know, it means that we are intentional about all of our actions. So we, we are constantly questioning ourselves around, do you need to go into the office? Do you need to have meetings, right? Can it be done virtually or asynchronously? So like, that's really the thought process around our sort of Slack first culture. Um, and then when you do need to come together physically, like, uh, what is that for? Right. And the way that we really think about it is when you come together physically and you can't do something asynchronously or virtually, it really is around cultural immersion, inspiration and connection and building trust. Right. So. Really, this we have to connect with an intention. That is that is one of the core elements of what we're trying to do. So this means that our office and physical spaces are just as important as our digital spaces, uh, but we can't take for granted what happens within them, right? And so that is sort of our success from anywhere strategy: is this link, but this balance between a Slack first culture and then uh, connecting with intention. And so thinking about how we utilize both our physical and digital spaces in order to, to do all of those things. So that's really how we're approaching and thinking about hybrid work. That's, that's great. And I think that's going to open up a beautiful conversation now around the role of people analytics in, in that success, in your success from anywhere strategy. You know, what are some of the main responsibilities and, and what point were you brought in to support? And, and, and maybe as well, how do you see that, that evolving? I guess as, as we, go through what I guess like it is in pretty much every organization at the moment, almost like an experiment, isn't it, around hybrid working and, and bringing people together? Yeah. Um, I mean, being at Salesforce for 10 years, uh, you know, I think to answer your first question of when People Analytics was brought in, like we were brought in at the very beginning, right? Because the the data is, is super important to inform uh, our strategy. Right. And so they brought us in sort of really in the beginning um, uh, to, to try and understand, like, what are the conditions uh, that, that are going to help employees be productive, um, you know, uh, as they start to be home more often. Right. Um, especially when we got into uh, lockdown and everything like that. Uh, they really turned to us in terms of helping us under helping them understand. Okay, what are the things that we need? Because before the pandemic, we already knew that remote workers experienced greater levels of work stress and burnout than office employees, right? Um, and so, when you basically turn everybody into a remote employee who hasn't actually had all of the sort of training and experience of setting boundaries and things like that you're going to start to drive um, a lot of um, burnout. And, and, and that's what we were helping to monitor in the beginning, right? Through our various pulse surveys 
you know, anonymized and randomly sampled sort of calendar data to understand uh, meeting behavior and increased workloads. Um, and, and actually what we found uh, in the beginning was we found that basically everybody was working an extra day. Um, you know, people were taking their commute times and instead of commuting, they were having, having meetings during those times. Um, and so these insights sort of really allowed us to help focus our employees on setting boundaries, invigorating our company prioritization process. Um, but, you know, like that was one thing, but we were also then able to help to bring data around uh, people felt like they were missing something. There was something missing. Um, and, and that was all about connection, right? And so while people were meeting together, there was just something missing about how they were meeting. And we were able to bring a lot of like uh, the academic literature about um, relationships, trust-based relationships versus transactional-based relationships um, and, and how there's differences there to really start to inform our strategy um, uh, and, and, and think about, okay, just because you're meeting doesn't mean you're building a relationship with that person. Like you have to think about it um, uh, intentionally, right? So that's that's how we sort of got to those two main pillars about Slack first culture and then connect with intention. And that was all driven by the work that uh, our team was doing. And I guess this is an ongoing, as, a, as I referred to earlier, is it an experiment, maybe the wrong word, but it, I suppose it is an experiment in many respects in, in many organizations because a, you were having to adapt to what's happening with the pandemic at different times. And obviously the, the Delta variant now, I know in the, in the US is, is having an impact. Uh, and we're going to, well, we don't know, but we may have other variants that, that, that will, that will come in. And, and then we'll start to see how, cause you know, we, we're very adaptable as humans. I think we've seen that throughout the pandemic. And then we'll start to see how people are using the office space, as you talked about um, earlier, and, and with that intentionality that, that that you're building into success from anywhere. And people are probably going to use the office differently from how they've used it in the past. And I guess people analytics can really help inform, A, how people are using it, and B, what that means around work design maybe moving forward or workplace design moving forward. Yeah. Um, so my team also owns uh, real estate analytics as well. So, uh, and, uh, global safety and security analytics. So, you know, I think in this hybrid world, you know, uh, a hybrid work environment world, you know, all of those things are, are super important to inform what that employee experience really is. Right. And so, uh, we were, uh, I think a little ahead of the curve. Um, in terms of combining all of those things uh, together in people analytics, um, because now we have both our office and real estate data sets, uh, our you know badging data, people coming in. We have our safety and security data uh, as well, uh, combined with the you know regular people data. Um, you you actually get a very holistic. Uh, picture about uh, an employee's uh, experience uh, as they interact with the workspace. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Combining um, people and places together because, yeah, I mean, and it sounds like you had the foresight to do that prior to the pandemic. I think we're seeing more and more companies looking to do that now. Um, So again, another exciting area for, for people analytics to have an impact. So I know from talking to you before, and I know this, it, it's the case with the success from anywhere strategy as well, that the program has sponsorship right up to the top of 
the organization at Salesforce. You know, let's let's talk about people analytics more broadly. You know, uh, I know an area where we've we've spoken about in the past, you know, how important is it to get the right stakeholders engaged in people analytics work? Yeah, I mean, it's super important, but I th- I think there's two ways, uh, at least I think about it in, in two different ways, right? So I think about it between uh, finding the right balance between execution and investment. And each one of these have like the execution side has a different stakeholder than the investment side, right? And so what I mean by like people analytics work in uh, in the execution phase is it's really about, okay, what are those current business needs? Um, whether it's like recruitment strategy due to increased competition for hires or a retention strategy due to what we're all experiencing right now with the great resi- resignation, right? Those are, those are projects and, uh, you know, the team needs to work on that now to resolve the issues that we're facing now, right? So it's critical to get the right stakeholders involved, um, because they might just have the data and the perspective that could make a more rigorous and impactful analysis. So like the execution side, it's really important uh, when you're solving for now to bring all of the right stakeholders together so that you're not actually um, painting a very narrow picture, right? But then on the investment side, you know, these might not be immediate use cases, but I, I feel like people analytics um, and the role of people analytics is really to help your organization see around the corner. And so it's your responsibility as well to invest in developing the knowledge and know-how to capitalize on opportunities when they arise in the future. So you're going to have to actually do some thinking and investment in terms of I'm going to dedicate X amount of hours or X amount of uh, my analyst time to do some of this research that might not have an immediate payoff right now, but you know uh, you have to make some future of work bets, right? So you're not caught flat-footed, you know, when the working landscape changes because you were talking about things are always things are going to constantly change with uh, with COVID and all the different variants and how our businesses are changing and different geopolitical, you know, um, uh, changes, right? And so this is where your boss and your CHRO need to be your key stakeholder and understand like, what are these investments that you're making in your time and why you're sacrificing some of the other stakeholders' immediate needs in order to actually invest some time here to prepare for the future. When we come back in just a moment, Ernest shares his advice on how to gain investment and buy-in from a chief HR officer by helping them to understand the business value that People Analytics delivers. This series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast is sponsored by Hula. Hula Hub is a personalized digital workplace solution designed to boost productivity, save you time, increase employee engagement, and help enable a more connected culture, no matter where your people are. After decades of uninspiring workforce platforms, Hula Hub is the go-to platform for leaders wanting to meet the needs of their employees, boost their well-being, enable more flexible styles of working, and forever improve the way we work. 
It's a revolutionary way to connect everything we use on a daily basis and access it all with just two clicks, keeping you organised and saving millions of pounds in wasted time. To learn more, visit hula.io. That's H-U-L-E-R dot I-O. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast with Ernest Ng, Vice President of Global Employee Success Strategy and People Analytics at Salesforce. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, I like that, that, that kind of helping the organisation see around the corner because, as you said, the future is it's always uncertain. It's possibly more uncertain at the moment than it's been, you know, two years ago or something. But, um, but yeah, and, it, and as you said, it's, uh, it's solving real business problems that are happening now for the organisation using people analytics and maybe diverting, I don't know, 80% of resources towards those. And as you said, the 20% focused on what could, what could happen. Um, and, and I guess that's, that is why combining employee success strategy and people analytics makes sense because obviously part of employee strategy is, is looking at things that maybe aren't happening now, but may happen in, in one to three years time, maybe even a bit longer in the, into the, into the future as well. And, and striking that balance, you know, and as a, as a people analytics leader, you know, that I guess having that supportive boss or CHRO or chief people officer is so important to actually be able to actually have that conversation. Okay, I'm, I'm diverting. I'm, I'm actually dedicating X percent of my resources to stuff that's not happening now, but it's going it, to. It may well happen in the future. What, what sort of advice would you give to one of your peers around? You know, what are some of the uh, the points that they can make to actually have that conversation with their chief people officer to 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 try and help them understand why that's so important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think now is now is 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 a really great time to to have those conversations about the investments that you want to make, um, uh, because I think everybody because with the great resignation, I think everybody is feeling this like um, you know uh, every chief people officer is 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 dealing with the immediate need to really understand what is going on in their organization, what is going on with their people, um, and then how to really mitigate some of those, those, those issues, right? And then trying to understand what are the issues that we as an organization can solve, right? What are the things that we're not doing right? And what are the things that are just going on in the, in, in the overall business environment where we can't control, right? And so now is the time because there, there's a huge opportunity for people analytics to, to help provide some of that clarity. And as you start to provide some of that clarity, you're better able to influence and better able to, um, uh, to really think about, um, the, the investments and think about, uh, the value of, of people analytics and make that known to, to the CHRO, be that sort of flashlight for them. Um, and I think this is, this is now the time. Yeah. And it's, in, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause, um, yeah, I think as a people analytics leader, long tenure one such as yourself, you know, that the actual stakeholders that you're dealing with across the business are, are actually quite myriad, you know, whether it's employees or employee representative groups through to 
people as part of the C-suite, chief people officers, maybe colleagues that work in other analytics teams across the business as well. If you're, if you're solving a business problem, bringing all those data sources together and working together around that, you know, finance, IT. There's, there's so many different stakeholders that, that, that you work with at different, for different points and uh, uh, different projects as well. You know, what are some of the other elements besides sort of stakeholder uh, engagement, stakeholder management that you think are critical for successful people analytics functions? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's super critical around, uh, especially around these investment type projects, uh, whether it's data infrastructure, you know, repeatable uh, analyses or frameworks, uh, dashboards, um, and, and sort of like conceptual work or theoretical work. Um, you know, those things are critical to think about uh, because it's it's important for you to scale, and so it's always important to um, to think about how you're innovating, um, and that is, I think, super important for uh, the success of a people analytics function. Besides just engaging your stakeholders, you have to be thinking ahead. You have to be thinking about, you know, how you get scale. Because a lot of people analytics functions are fairly small uh, in comparison to the rest of uh, your HR organization. And so you're always going to have to be thinking about scale or else you're just going to get into this constant execution firefight. Um, and uh, if you're not thinking about scale, it's going to be really difficult Um for you to actually get good stakeholder engagement because the stakeholder might not actually want to engage with you. You know, is part of that, again, around, I guess it depends on different organizations, is part of that achieving that scale, helping your colleagues in the wider HR function, you know, develop their capabilities around using data in their conversations as well with each other, but but, but with the business in terms of, you know, increasing that data-driven culture, I think is a is a phrase I hear a lot. Is that something that you you and your team are focused on at Salesforce? Yeah, definitely. I think the way that we look at it is um, it's uh, it's sort of I think there's there's a there's a nuance between data driven and the way that we like to think about it in terms of data informed um, in, in terms of the way that we approach problems is uh, sometimes you don't have <laughs> you don't have the data to drive the right decision. Um, sometimes our systems aren't in place. Sometimes the data collection mechanisms aren't there. Uh, but at this, but we need to have a data informed, um, perspective. Uh, and, and that is where, uh, working with all of our stakeholders to really try and get them to understand what data do they need? What data is going to help them to be informed about the effectiveness or the efficiency of the things that they're doing? You know, uh, that whole process is a long process because it is disrupting the traditional ways that HR is done. Um, and uh, but it's super important uh, to do. And so that skill up is uh, while a lot of people analytics professionals might not like enjoy doing it. It is, a, I think, a necessary part of um ensuring that people analytics is embedded in the transformation of HR, right? So you're going to have to do that if you want to really transform 
the way that the HR function operates and the role of people analytics being, you know, um, uh, critical to that transformation. And so, and I guess back to you, you know, you're very around if you actually want to ex- execution, you need that that kind of mindset, that data informed mindset, data informed. Data informed. I like that nuance actually, and because a lot of when you're implementing a lot of the insights from from analytics work, there's change management involved as well. So it's unlikely that people analytics team is going to be do, able to do that on your on their own. They need the support of their colleagues in HR and 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 other parts of the business to actually execute effectively and make these things happen, and then measure the the outcomes around it as well. Yeah, exactly. Um. So one, you've talked a bit about scaling, and I know you know a great area around scaling is around productizing people analytics. You've done a, a lot of work around productizing people analytics, and in fact, I think you may have been the first people analytics practitioner who even talked about productization, at least to me, um, quite a few years ago now. Um, what, in terms of, can you talk us through the importance of productization and, and the impact of getting this right? Sure. I mean, productization... Uh, and the way that I think about it is critical to how you scale, right? And this is why, like, I've personally invested uh, heavily on my team into data engineering, data science, and research, right? Without these products, like data sets and data pipelines, algorithms, NLP, like topic models, um, IO and OB theories and logical frameworks, like, Again, it becomes an endless firefight on number crunching on like Excel or Google Sheets or whatever your preferred spreadsheet is, right? Building decks that need to be refreshed every now and then when an executive remembers, oh, I I like that. Like, can you refresh that for me um, so I can see if it's still applicable, right? Um, And that, I think, wipes consultants and analysts and people analytics out. Like that, that sort of groundhog day, you know, experience is, uh, is really sort of, um, uh, demotivating. Right. Um, and so especially like at Salesforce, when we're adding all these new employees and all these new leaders, you know, creating the right product infrastructure is critical to getting all of the new people leaders plugged in and ready to go. Um, at scale, right? And so that's why we constantly think about it from a product perspective because of our growth, because we're bringing in all of these new people, all of these new leaders, like we can't keep producing like random cuts of things for these new leaders all the time because then it's just churning out these, you know, these PowerPoint presentations or these Google slide presentations um, and that's not enjoyable for most people, and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily help move the business forward. It just keeps sort of maintaining things. So that's why we think about productizing things that we do, ensuring that if we're doing an analysis, we're making it into a product of some sort, meaning like it's scalable, it's repeatable, it's something that you know our data infrastructure supports, so that when a new leader comes in. It's just a push of a button in order to get you your cut versus having to do some special thing um, all the time. And I guess what it forces you to do about as a people analytics team is to think almost like in the mindset of, as you would if you're on the customer side, thinking about the user experience as well. So making it 
easy, I guess, for, 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 for that new manager coming in to be able to use that to, to support them in their work. That's exactly, that's exactly the case, right? So you have to think about your, your stakeholder. You have to think about, um, you know, uh, what they're considering. And especially because you're dealing with humans and humans are complicated, uh, uh, complicated in general. Um, you have to make it easy for them to understand your analyses because sometimes your analyses are going to be fairly complicated. So as you think about the productization, as you think about that product mindset, you have to really think about, okay, what am I actually trying to impact? Right. And, um, how am I solving for that? How's this going to help solve for that? Um, that constant, you know, refinement is super important in order for you to, uh, be effective and also efficient in, in, in your work. It'd be good to help us to talk for a bit of an example here. You know, I'd love to hear about the work that you've done, you know, within Salesforce and the people analytics on, on skills influence and how the principles for effective people analytics that you've just described helped ensure the, su- the success of, of that particular project. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you're looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the MyHR Future Academy. It's a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you'll see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way helping you to close your skills gaps, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Now let's go back to the conversation with Ernest, where we discuss his team's work on skills inference. Yeah, um, skills is sort of uh, the way that I think about it. Skills is one of those investment areas that we've sort of been working on for the past two plus years. Um, and to be honest, I think it hasn't uh, paid out completely yet. So the bet hasn't uh, paid out completely yet. But I, I, our work has really influenced how we think about uh, our, our work in skills and understanding skills has really influenced how we think about internal mobility, career pathing, interviewing, and also all of these like new AI HR vendors or HR AI vendors and how, and, and what they're doing. Um, so like more about our projects. Uh, so the project was our attempt to understand the skill sets that make up jobs um, and whether or not we could understand similar skill sets. Right. Um, and as such, we started with job descriptions resumes, open-sourced role descriptions like ONET, if you're familiar with uh, those databases, to really start to understand co-occurrence of skills. Um, And these co-occurrence of skills form patterns of distinct skill clusters for every job type that then we could sort of map every job into a two-dimensional vector space, uh, really to see how uh, jobs were similar to each other, right? And so this was this then became the foundation for our internal job recommendation algorithm. But it could also then be used for uh, career development um, recommendations, right? Mentor matching, 
Um, and so this basic research that allowed us to really understand co-occurrence of skills and skills in general um, allowed us to get smarter about how do we think about skills as the foundation for how jo- like jobs to be done, right? And also, I know like there are many vendors out there that say that they can do the same thing, and actually, we've partnered uh, with some of them around uh, around doing this work. But in my mind, without the investment that we made into that, um, we wouldn't actually be very good critical evaluators of all of these tools as well. Um, and so that's where I think the investment piece has, has paid off is it allowed us to, to be smarter about um, approaching this specific area of work. And, it, and what's interesting, what you just talked about there, and you know, I've said this before on, on previous episodes of the podcast, actually, it's almost like this having this skills data almost provides a bit of a link between what have hitherto been quite siloed sort of HR practices, such as internal mobility, such as learning and career development, such as identifying mentors. And then and then workforce planning, I guess, can bounce off all of that, I guess, which is so important. And it's, I guess, as you said, it's one of those investment areas that, that may not pay off straight away, but, but, but could pay off quite significantly in the future um, as yeah. the organisation continues to grow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is uh, skills is is fundamental to, uh, you know, uh, the future of HR and understanding skills uh, is uh, is definitely important. And so, the smarter you can get around uh, understand understanding how skills uh, influences all of those different HR processes, uh, the better you're able to then think about, um, you know, how are you going to scale it. How are you going to make it repeatable? Um, and without that sort of uh, basic skills protocols, right, and understanding that um, it's it's going to be hard to design anything um, uh, that's repeatable and scalable. So that kind of brings it back to we talked a little bit about enable enablement, enabling the, the rest of HR. I'd be interested to understand. You know, I think we've agreed that you know you you made very powerful. Um, commentary around how you know as people analytics teams we we have to get involved in this and we need to support our colleagues in hr to to learn what they need to know so we can enable them and then help scale the work that, that we're doing and ultimately benefit the the organization and the workforce now what are some of the things that that, that you've done um uh, at salesforce to help enable um hr colleagues uh, with with people analytics yeah i mean it's uh it's the hard work of spending time and investment with our colleagues and helping them really, uh, really think about their area of business critically in terms of really sitting down with them and helping them think through their metrics, think through what are their success criteria, how do they know that they're going to be successful, right? And thinking about, okay, then operationalizing those into into measurable variables, um, and so that process is is important. That process is super valuable to building that trusted relationship uh, with your stakeholder, so that they're not resistant to um, to any evaluation that you're that you're going to do uh, on their on their on their program, right? 
that they're part of that because they want to constantly be better, right? And so I think that's that's where the enablement piece really comes in is it's not just enabling them on the products that you create and the dashboards and the analysis, but enabling them to think about um, their business in a data-informed way, right? As opposed to just, um, you know, uh, this is what I've done in the past, right? So I, I think, you know, um, we talked about you know increased complexity and all of the increased um, you know of variability in, in by geographies and all of these things that HR is going to have to face in the future and is facing right now. Um, and so, gone are the days where uh, you can just roll out you know a program that's been sort of benchmarked uh, that companies have done in the past, right? Like you have to really be able to think about, you know, your your work in a critically, um, and be able to get that data to refine the work as things in the environment change, right? And so the enablement piece is really around helping helping your stakeholders think through that process, and then you create that product to help them monitor and help them uh, really. Um, drive those success criteria. So, you know, our futurist, so Salesforce has, uh, has a futurist who, who helps us think about all of the various scenarios that happen. And he's been telling us, you know, that we should be expecting more uncertainty moving forward, right? And so we should be prepared. And I think as HR, we should be prepared with, you know, um, more data to uh, to guide us through these uncharted wo- uncharted waters, right? Um, and uh, if organizations want to be more resilient in this uncertainty, I think people analytics is going to have to take a more critical role uh, in in guiding HR uh, around this. And I guess we've seen that in the last eighteen months. You know, you know. It, it, you know, from listening to you and seeing you speak at some of the virtual conferences that have been happening over the last 18 months and, you know, talking to some of your peers in other organisations as well. It's, it's clear that people analytics is, is has been a, absolutely invaluable to those organisations that have invested in it and invested well in it in supporting them understand how, firstly, how employees are feeling about suddenly having to, you know, with a lot of employees having to work re- exclusively remotely from home helping the organizations themselves adapt to that and what it means and and managers maybe having to manage remote teams that they've not necessarily had to do before and then the whole piece as you talked about around okay as we start to go back hopefully to workplace at some point what does that look like um how do we how do we do that to ensure that the organization and and our employees are going to be successful and then how do we manage that on an ongoing basis it's just clear that people analytics is front and center of, of of kind of all those conversations as well so you know hopefully anyone that any executive that had any doubt about the um the role of people analytics has, has had those questions answered over the last 18 months or so um and finally the, the question that we're asking everyone on on this particular uh, series of of the, of the podcast how can hr help the business uh, you've talked a little bit about this already actually but how can hr help the business identify the critical skills for the future 
So I'm guessing this is falling into your investment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is sort of thinking about those hard skills and you know what new skills are uh, are going to be vital. But you know, while HR does need to be sort of more data driven, you know, we can't forget that our role in HR is to work with humans, and we can't forget, you know, I think that we are human resources, like the, the role is the, the function is human resources. And there's just something special about humans that businesses can't forget about. Right. And so I think to answer your question is how HR can help businesses identify the critical skills for the future. I think it is HR's role to really identify those human skills Right. And is success for many where worlds, you know, the ability to cultivate human connection, to build trust with each other, to drive productivity, to manage well-being, you know, is going to be the most critical, in my opinion. Right. So partially this is because, like, I was schooled in the Peter Drucker philosophy of management. Um, and and one of the things that he said is like, integrity is the very essence of management, right? And that's something that I think that HR is best positioned to help the business do, uh, is to, to remember that it is like management's responsibility to be there for their employees with integrity, right? So, you know, the thing there is for, all of us in HR, don't forget the H in HR, the human exactly. element, the human element of that. Exactly. Well, Ernest, as I always do, I've really enjoyed discussing people analytics with you and the great work that you're doing at Salesforce. You know, thanks for being a guest on the Digital Lead- Leaders Podcast, HR Leaders Podcast. How let listeners know how can they stay in touch with you, follow you on social media if you do social media, or and find out more about your work. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously there is uh, the Salesforce blog. I mean, we we talk about a lot of the various success from anywhere type of uh, work that we're doing there. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not super active on Twitter, uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at um, ng underscore Ernest. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, you can reach out uh, via LinkedIn as well. So. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty searchable, uh, pretty unique name uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, happy, happy to connect. Well, Ernest, thanks. Thanks very much again for being on the show. And, and, you know, it's been really fascinating to learn more about the success from anywhere approach and, and, and the role of people analytics. And as I said, it's always a pleasure. So, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's uh, it's been great. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the digital HR leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast and it really does help. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and our weekly newsletter at myhrfuture.com. Tune in next week for episode three of this series, where I'll be joined by Nikki Hoyland, CEO and co-founder of Hula. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and take care.